The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Michael Horton. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Join me uh, in prayer, would you? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for... This privilege we have to take uh, some time out to focus on your word and uh, to reflect on your goodness to us in your son, to uh, acknowledge the gift of your spirit and the amazing kingdom in which you have placed us by the, by the Holy Spirit through your word. We pray that uh, that word will uh, be sweet to us even this morning, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open them to Genesis chapter 11. The story of the Tower of Babel, although it doesn't actually appear uh, in the passage, the phrase Tower of Babel, we begin at verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This passage reminds us that we are in an episode of a continuing story about the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The two cities, uh, the one city that tries to build its way up to God and the other city that receives God as he has come down to us. Uh, Cain and Lamech uh, are are, uh, well-recognized as progenitors of this city, following the example of of Adam in the Promethean spirit of trying to steal into God's chamber, trying to become like God, not by imitation, but by autonomy. Nimrod's name means we shall rebel. (laughs) And so what's in a name? Quite a lot. Uh, It tells us a good bit about what is about to happen in this story. One tower, one language, one nation. That's what we'll be looking at here from this passage. 
so Babel is uh, Nimrod's capital, and uh, the 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 tower is significant uh, not only here in Genesis 11, but also it's referred to by Herodotus. Uh, it's also uh, referred to in Akkadian and Assyrian uh, stories. And so this, this must have been quite a scene with technology advancing and becoming very much a part of this uh, spiraling staircase to heaven itself. Technology advancing with bricks and asphalt into the throne room of God, if they could make it. Reminds me, uh, not to insert too many contemporary allusions that come to mind very easily with this passage, you'll know a Harari, you may have seen his book, Homo Deus, The History of Tomorrow, in which he argues, as the title suggests, that uh, through technology we will become gods ourselves. And so this has been very much uh, part of our history ever since the fall. The, the first thing we see here is the human ascent. I want to focus on two things, human ascent and then the divine descent. Uh, one tower. This will be one tower. Not a garden on earth that God has given where he has said, uh, you may eat from any of the trees in the garden except for this one. Uh, but a place they could claim for themselves, they could build for themselves. Humans, a finite image of God. Eden, a finite image of heaven. The Sabbath, a finite image of God's everlasting rest versus humans seeking to be archetypes themselves, building a city for their name and working 24-7 to do it. And so they wouldn't rely on God's gift and God's promise not to destroy the earth by flood, the promise that they could see every time they saw the rainbow. Rather, they wanted to secure their future for themselves, a future secured against the threat of God's future judgment. The, in the, the uh, ancient world at this time, as I'm sure you, you're uh, learning from my betters, was filled with Mesopotamian ziggurats, these, these temple towers, sort of thing that Jacob would have seen in chapter 28 um, when he has that vision of the ladder from heaven to earth and angels ascending and descending. Uh, it's amazing how universal these temple towers are in cultures, Aztec and Mayan cultures. Uh, you, 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 you see these, these temple towers virtually everywhere. Cambodia, I mean, this is just part of our, of our nature. New York City, maybe a few temple towers. And, and uh, in Genesis 10, verse 9, we are told that the name of this place is Balal, which means to confuse. Not Bab Elim, Akkadian for gate of God, which is how Nimrod saw it, but rather the place where God confused the languages. You think of Nebuchadnezzar saying, is this not the great Babylon which I have built by my power and for my name? 
standing in a long line. In fact, he said of this tower, a former king built the temple of the seven lights of the earth, but he did not complete its head. Since a remote time, people had abandoned it without order expressing their words. Since that time, earthquakes and lightning had dispersed its sun-dried clay. The bricks of the casing had split and the earth of the interior had been scattered in heaps. By the time Alexander the Great found it, it was already pretty much in rubble. Poor guy tried to rebuild it and completely destroyed it in the process. One tower, one language. Language creates a people. Uh, language is not just something we use to communicate uh, with folks to get our Instacart groceries, uh, to, to get things done. Language is really what shapes us. Language is how we, how we are worded, how we, uh, how we receive the, the, the overarching stories of who we are, how we got here, where we're going. And, and if you have one language, then you can have one nation. You can have a united people. There are so many versions of this myth, even as there are so many versions of this tower, whether it's platonic ascent, ascent through magic and technology. Uh, human beings have tried that over the centuries. Ascent through works righteousness. In, in, in any possible form, we build our towers in order to word ourselves and not be worded by God, not be defined by what God says we are and who, whom God says we are and where God says we're going. Nikos Kazantzakis, who wrote The Last Temptation of Christ, but is also a Homer scholar, says, I choose the ascending path because my heart drives me toward it. Upward, 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 my heart shouts, and I follow it trustingly. A unified language will create a unified nation. And that leads to the third point, one nation. One nation not under God, one nation over God. God gave Adam the high honor of naming the animals. What a privilege that was to be able to name the animals. But Adam wanted to make a name for himself. And all of us since Adam have sought to make a name for ourselves, a name above every name. You know, Cain was restless, wanting, wanting to be uh, uh, secured against the threat of being murdered because he wanted to build a city. He wanted to build a city for his own fame. And Lamech said, if, if, uh, if there is a, a, a price, a value given for the life of Cain, uh, may it be multiplied if I should be murdered. That, that, that pride, that arrogance. Seth's descendants, however, in the same chapter, chapter 4, uh, where Cain's descendants are listed as the leaders of the city of man, Seth's descendants are distinguished as those who first began to call on the name of the Lord. Not make a name for themselves, but to call on the name of the Lord, the name that is above every name. But here at Babel, humanity once again wants to make a name for itself, to establish 
itself, lest we be scattered, verse 4. Why is God so worried here about about the, the unification of people, the concentration of people? Does God just not like cities? Well, the, the, the church is also likened to the city, the uh, city of God. The, the heavenly sanctuary is the, the, is the center of the city of God, the archetypal city. But in the fall, ever since the fall, cities are, are where people are concentrated and people are sinful. And so sin becomes concentrated. It's not just that God likes farms. Uh, God likes rustic, rural, backcountry. Uh, it's, that, it's that when we get together, we, we, we tend to be our worst selves. And that's precisely what they did here. They said, we will be one nation, one, have one language, and we will na- make a name for ourselves. Come, let us build up, verse 4, contrasts sharply with God saying, come, let us go down, <laughs> in verse 7. It's going to come down, first of all, in judgment. Uh, He's the same God who who created human beings in his own image and in his own likeness, but now human beings want to rise up in autonomy and decide for themselves who they will be and where they will live. And the form God's judgment takes is linguistic confusion. Imagine showing up for work one day and nobody in the office understands what you're saying. Every, no one understands each other because uh, the languages are completely confused. Everybody thinks that the other people are speaking babble. The result of the linguistic confusion was the scattering of the people. They couldn't understand each other. They, they, they scattered, uh, leaving the apostate city. When God warns of the day of the Lord in Isaiah 2, he says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low upon all the high mountains and upon all the hills that are lifted up, upon every tower, upon every fortified wall, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, but the idols he shall utterly abolish. And so the rest of of what we read in Genesis is the story of these two cities unfolding, the city of God and the city of man. The one descends from heaven like a bride on her wedding day, the other rises up in defiance and self-exaltation. One tower, Bethel versus Babel, the one tower that Jacob saw in his vision with angels of God ascending and descending on it was described by Jesus in John 1, 51, wasn't it? When he told Nathanael, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He is the gate of God. He is the temple of heaven. He is the ladder from heaven to earth, not the ladder that humans build from earth to heaven. 
And John also tells us in chapter 7, the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He descended to the lowest parts from the heights of heaven and is now exalted in glory. But until he was exalted in glory, the Holy Spirit was not poured out. Once again, the Holy Spirit would descend, this time, not in judgment, but in salvation. One tower, our Lord Jesus Christ, one language. That's what we see in the book of Acts, right? That's the point of Acts 2. The point is not that we each have our own private prayer language. The point of the glossi in Acts 2 is to announce that everything that had been foreshadowed here in Genesis is now fulfilled. Ecstatic utterances were well known in the, the ancient Hellenistic world. Certainly in uh, uh, Greco-Roman Egypt, the Gnostics used it. It, it, was, it was just a would be a string of vowels that were unintelligible to people, but they said were intelligible to the gods. There, there was something like that that Luke could have appealed to. He doesn't. Instead, they're just normal, ordinary human languages. It just so happens that the people speaking uh, these languages did not know them. They had never learned these languages. That's where the miracle was. They didn't say at Pentecost, why are these people speaking gibberish? They said, how is it that each of us hears the gospel preached in our own tongue. The tongues of fire from the Spirit above each disciple represented their anointing as prophetic witnesses, now being gathered in the upper room, not in Promethean uh, 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 selfishness, but being, being gathered by the Spirit and empowered and equipped to be scattered, to be sent out over the face of the earth with good news. And that, I think, is what Paul means in 1 Corinthians 14 when he talks about tongues in the church. We'll con conclude on this point. Uh, upbraiding the Corinthians for severing the gift of tongues from intelligent interpretation, you know, do it, using it as a kind of private thing. This is my thing, my personal private gift, my prayer language. Paul says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. In the law, it is written, by people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. From Isaiah 28. Thus, Paul interprets, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. So by invoking Isaiah 28, uh, Paul is identifying tongues as a sign of temporary judgment. In Romans 11, he argues a partial hardening has happened until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. When the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in, he says, then the Spirit will soften the hearts of ethnic Jews. And if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? But for now, tongues is a sign of judgment. How is it a sign of judgment? Now, Jews are hearing 
the good news that they should have heard from their own rabbis, instead, from people of strange tongues, from foreigners. Pentecost didn't result in a full-scale conversion of the Jewish people, but it did set into motion the end-time ingathering of a remnant from Israel and the nations. The Jewish believers would now be witnesses to the Gentiles, and together with the Gentiles, they would proclaim the gospel in tongues previously unknown to even have existed by the Jews. But Paul adds, this is precisely why prophecy, articulate, clear preaching, is absolutely essential. Otherwise, he says, if an outsider or an unbeliever enters, will he not say that you're out of your minds? Again, not because you're speaking gibberish, but because you're speaking languages that are unintelligible to them. How will that help people understand the gospel? It's all about the gospel. It's all about this one new language built around this one tower, this one ladder reaching from heaven to earth. It's all about scattering, being scattered not in judgment, but in grace to go out in witness. The remarkable thing about tongues in Acts 2-4 then is that foreigners gathered there to hear the gospel, each in his own language. And the report is followed by a table of nations, just as in our passage in Genesis 11. The climax of this outpouring of the Spirit is what? What happens when the Spirit descends, this time not in judgment, scattering the peoples in judgment because they wanted to build a tower to heaven? What happens when the, the Spirit de descends at Pentecost? What is the climax of it? How do we know that the Spirit is present among us? Peter, who had denied Jesus three times to a little girl, is standing on the steps of the temple within eyesight and earshot of the temple police, proclaiming very clearly, Peter, who, who got it and didn't get it, got it, don't got it, over and over again, clearly proclaiming Jesus and his resurrection from all the scriptures. One tower, one language, one nation. Just as the speech of human pride raises one tower, the speech of God's grace creates the church. No other name by which we can be saved. Name above every name in heaven or on earth or under the earth. There is no name higher than the name of Jesus, our high tower. At Babel, gathered in rebellion and scattered in judgment, but at Pentecost, gathered into one nation by one language, the gospel, and then scattered in glorious witness. We're all anticipating that day when Babylon the Great finally will fall for the last time. It will crumble. There will be no one to repair it, 
And at last, God's dwelling place will be with man. And in that day, even as the saints in glory already surround the throne, so we too will join them singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, for with his blood he purchased for God people from every tribe and kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God forever. Let's pray. Father, we are um, amazed at your handiwork throughout the history of redemption, always always making it coalesce around Christ when it seems that it will fall apart and fray into so many different threads. You keep it moving toward your son. Your son who, who had preeminence and glory at your right hand from all eternity, who descended from that glory, laid it aside to become a humble servant and then was raised in immortal glory, one of our own, this time not one who ascended into heaven, but was raised into heaven by you and seated at your right hand in glory. And thank you for sending your spirit, for making us witnesses, no longer scattered because of our pride, but gathered because of your grace. Through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.